Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the uh, what am I? I'm the editorial director of PR Week, and uh, delighted to be with you. I'm back in the studio doing a podcast with my good friend Frank Washcook, who's our news director. Frank, it seems like a while since we've done one of these together. It really have you does, been? doesn't it? I've been well. <clears throat> Thank you for inviting me on, as usual. It's a pleasure. It's good to have you here. We're all. Uh, Getting set for um, the MM&M Awards tonight, actually. Medical Marketing and Media are our sister title. And then we've got our big conference in Chicago next week. So excited about that. I have my suit pressed for both. I'll be there. Yes. And um, the Windy City. So uh, take some uh, warm clothing. And we're especially excited to have Catherine Freimark here, who's who's Group SVP of Corporate Comms at Discovery and TLC. Catherine, how are you doing? Hello, I'm so glad to be here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, Delighted to join you, gentlemen. It's been a while, actually, since we saw you. So, the, And there's been a lot going on over in your neck of the woods. So we're looking forward to finding out more about that. And we'll pick up on a few news stories. The Disney-Fox merger seemed like a good uh, chance to talk about that. There's a survey out from the Reputation Institute, is it, Frank? Yep, that's one of them. Yes, uh, the Best Reputation for Corporate Responsibility Survey. Uh, there's been another senior lever from Burson, Cohn and Wolf, and uh, another couple of agency stories. Uh, Helen Knowlton is separating from Group SJR, which was its content arm it acquired a few years ago, and Kext is joining up with its uh, sister financial firm, publicist firm, CNC, to make a bigger operation. So we'll get to those a bit later. But Catherine, let's start with you. It's been an interesting year because you um, acquired, Discovery acquired Scripps Networks and made yourself immediately a much bigger entity, um, acquiring sort of company uh, channels such as Food Network, HGTV and Travel Channel with that. And that gave you the top five five out of the top 10 channels for women across the board. So that puts you in a pretty powerful position. It's a great place to be. Done any given night, 25% of the female audience in the United States and just tremendous brand. So it's been a, it's been a heck of a year. That sounds like a key message and already in there. So well done. <laughs> um, how was that process from the communications point of view? Uh, was that the first sort of major acquisition of that type that you'd been involved with? And what, and what were the... Uh, sort of challenges or, or how did the, how did you treat that from a comms point of view? Sure. So I don't know if we have enough time to talk through all of it, but it was um, it was a tremendous experience for uh, for some time. It had been speculated, suggested that Discovery and Script should, should merge together because of the like-minded nature of the brands, real-world content, quality, trusted brands. And uh, July 31st, I think it was, um, a year ago, uh, we made it happen. And so um, it, was a, it, it was a tremendous process. It was certainly to your point, it was the largest acquisition Discovery had done in its 30-year history uh, in terms of sheer volume and, and dollars. Uh, other acquisitions we'd done in the past, uh, Eurosport and others. But this was this was the largest, uh, almost $15 billion. And um, from July 31st through till March 6th, when we closed the deal this past year, um, lots of work on uh, planning for that, integrating, and then and finally merging. So 
a tremendous opportunity from a comms point of view to tell the story of this combined portfolio of brands. Sure. And does the Scripps Network branding go away or is that still around? The parent company, yes. So that was was delisted. It was a publicly traded company. Uh, And we went with Discovery Inc. Uh, So we had a subtle name change um, on day one. Discovery Communications. Discovery Communications. So we dropped the communications and and certainly uh, the individual brands, HGTV, Food Network, Travel Channel, Cooking Channel, etc., all retained their their identities. And um, what happens to the communications function when two companies merge like that? Do you all combine now as one? Are you in charge of the their comms team as well? How did how did that shake out? So it was it was a long process. So for a, a good period of time, we couldn't talk to one another because we were going through yeah, regulatory approval. So obviously, very cautious and, and guardrails there. Uh, but planning for so it was it's interesting because you're both. Uh, doing the comms about the acquisition and the eventual merger, and then figuring out how to merge those comms teams together. So it's, it's I don't know what the analogy is, but you know, fixing the car's tire while it's going sixty miles an hour down the road. And you know, for us, it was very um, important to be thoughtful and intentional with the changes. You had two incredibly strong organizations, uh, people who had been in roles for a long time. Both companies had tons of legacy talent. And so for us, uh, we set about the process of doing our merger acquisition announcement plan uh, and then also um, identifying the talent that we had on, on both sides of the legacy businesses. And so um, we spent a lot of time uh, going through that process, and we have, uh, I think, a really nice balance of, of team members from both legacy organizations now under the fold. And you, you're now in charge of all of those. I oversee folks. comms. My my boss, David Levy, is is chief communications and operating officer, and so he oversees comms and a host of other areas: government relations, corporate social responsibility, marketing. So, and David Levy great. was a former sort of business partner of Don Bear of, of Burson Marstella fame, who formerly ran. Discovery Communications. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, both um, from the Clinton administration, uh, both senior leaders at Discovery, and we're fortunate that uh, Levy's still with us. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to be moving the office, well, the head office to New York from Maryland uh, next year. Is that true? That's right. End of 2019. So our current global headquarters is in Silver Spring, Maryland, right over the D.C. line. And that's where we were uh, founded in in Montgomery County, Maryland, which has been a tremendous home for us. Uh, And so we we will have two headquarters. We have a global headquarters in New York. Um, that building will open up uh, Flatiron District, end of 2019. And we remain, uh, maintain a national operations headquarters in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is the site of the former Scripps campus. So, right. And then we continue our, uh, to maintain our commitment to the Montgomery County, County and greater D.C. area with um, Technology Hub in Northern Virginia, where we do a lot of our uplink and, and uh, uh, a lot of our origination is now in the cloud, uh, and then a small Maryland office to house certain networks that are based there and government relations, naturally. And I think you're moving into a, uh, uh, what is now still, I think, one of the big PR agents. We didn't have ch- t- chance to fact check this, so I don't want to say for definite, but I think you're moving into an office which has formerly been um, occupied by a big PR agency. But anyway, the we'll, current building, yeah, yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll check that one out. Um, before we get into the sort of future of TV, because it's clearly an amazing time mm-hmm. i had a, a little question about your one of your channels investigation discovery yes. which um it's sort of true crime um i call it murder tv i mean that's uh, the genre not not yours in particular but it's incredibly popular with women and my 
better half, for sure, is obsessed with murder TV. And whenever I come in, she's watching it. And um, this was a sort of culture which slightly worries me occasionally, I must admit, you know, but... Um, you should be worried what she's watching that for. <laughs> but um, tell us about that. That's a, just a really interesting subgenre that maybe not everyone's familiar with. Is that one of the top five? It absolutely right. is. Right, okay, it is, so you wouldn't um, necessarily have had that down. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. <laughs> so we, so the, the story of Investigation Discovery is quite an interesting one. Um, we, we had the channel was originally called Discovery Times. We had a joint venture with the New York Times, and the part partnership ended and we had this treasure trove of, of content that uh, new detectives and FBI files and some crime and investigation content. And so that birthed investigation discovery. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Henry Schleif, who ran Court TV, uh, came in and just put that channel on a rocket. Um, guilty pleasure, real crime. I think people are obsessed with it. And not only in the U.S., but crime content, it has universal appeal. It's in, you know, nearly 100 countries in every region where we operate, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, certainly language to, for the local region. But it is it is number one for women in total day. It has the longest length of tune in all of TV, all of TV, not just cable. Yeah, this is this is incredible. And um, it's true crime. I guess that's one of the things that people mm -hmm. like about it. Mm -hmm. It contains some, I don't want to offend anyone, but it's slightly dodgy. Act, the, the real people are played by actors sure. and some of the, you know, some of the acting and, and the actors sometimes look a little bit more uh, glamorous than the real people, shall we say. But uh, yeah, it's a whole a whole subculture I wasn't aware of, but I am now. That's for, that's for no, certain. You, you know all of those titles now. Yeah. And then there was the, another of your uh, interesting channels is TLC and you've yeah. got this uh, show 90 Day Fiance. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So I've uh, been fortunate and building new muscles 18 years in at Discovery and I'm, I'm still growing new muscles. So I've been at the uh, good fortune of, to start overseeing TLC, communications for TLC, which has been just a hoot. The network's been uh, number one on Sunday nights with women for uh, a number of series, but most notably a 90 Day Fiance, which follows couples who are trying to bring you know their their fiance to the U.S. and follows them through the 90 day spousal visa process. And it has spawned uh, three spinoffs. Uh, the the latest. Um, series before the 90 days which follows couples even before they've met and started the process uh just wraps up uh, on this sunday night so it's been extraordinary so tlc id hgtv a host of channels that make us number one for women stories for modern times Catherine. Yes, stories for modern times absolutely. yeah let's talk about the wider sort of future of tv because yes. even this week we've seen things like at&t announced this streaming service mm -hmm. we've seen Queeby, a new mobile, I don't know if that's pronounced right, but I'll, I, I, that was my stab at it. It's, it's short for Quick Bites. Quick Bites, quick bites. yeah. Katzenberg and Whitman's Yeah, make Whitman's yeah. new thing, and um, that's a mobile service. We've obviously got uh, Amazon, Netflix, big, big content plays. You've got people like Walmart in the space. Mm -hmm. How does Discovery pitch itself within that environment, and uh, how much of a threat is that, and, and how much are you sort of launching your own startups to sort of uh, play in that space too. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting times, as you say, Steve, and and I think it shows the value, especially with the launches of um, QB. That's how you pronounce it, um, <laughs> and others. Uh, it's that content, you know, remains king, and IP um, remains king, and so Discovery for thirty years, we've owned virtually all of our content, which has uh, allowed us to grow both in the linear world, so with all the cable carriage that we have. 
overseas, internationally, you know, in, you know, 120 countries and territories, and the opportunity to take that content and press a button and put it anywhere on every screen and device. And so um, we've been very aggressive with uh, both rolling out content uh, with partners, such as uh, we announced uh, last month a deal with Hulu for their streaming service, and then these skinny bundles, uh, as we call them, uh, Hulu, Sling, DirecTV Now. And so that's important both so that we get our content into viewers who choose to different view in a different way outside of the TV set that hangs on the sure. wall, um, and also proves the value of our content in a streaming environment and to a younger audience. Yeah, because kids aren't watching TV, are they, in the traditional way on a TV set. M many of them don't actually even own a TV. Um, so if you've got an ad-supported model um, that is challenging it, although there's still a lot of you know, TV advertising being bought, sure. but, but you know, habits are changing, people are skimming through ads, watching on catch-up, muting the ads, whatever. But uh, so how how's it... Is it putting strain on your business model? How, what do you see as the future of TV advertising? Oh, I wish I had my crystal ball, <laughs> but I will. I will yeah. tell you, and um, you know, bringing together scripts and discovery um, came with a lot of great uh, new leadership. Uh, and so John Steinloff, who has run ad sales at, at Legacy Scripts, is now running ad sales at Discovery. And and the great thing about our networks are their brands. They're actual brands that people watch, and the environments are good for, for our ad partners. And people tend to watch live. 90 Day Fiance, for example, um, is a water cooler show. You want to watch it in the moment that's on on Sunday night so you can follow along on Twitter uh, and enjoy it with, with your friends uh, virtually. And so from, yes, it's, 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 it's all new days with all new platforms. But one thing that we didn't touch on, we touched on the streaming deals, um, is also our TV Everywhere presence. And so we've been very active and aggressive in launching our content on TV Everywhere Go apps. And we have 18 brands in the TV Everywhere space, and those are ad-supported. Um, so they add incremental ad revenue to our bottom line, but it does draw a younger audience and an audience who's more apt to be watching on their iPad than they are on the TV. So yeah, I think you're pushing on a lot of different Yeah, areas. no, for sure. And your content tends to – I think you do get people watching show after show, don't they? It's slightly addictive, mm -hmm. the channels that are sort of perfect for a Sunday if you really want to laze around watching TV or just – want to veg out in the evening or whatever right or catch up or catch up yeah yeah so uh, yeah interesting stuff um do you get into branded content at all or working with you know putting with companies to put things on your channel or is, has that become part of what you're doing absolutely um our ad sales team uh, is very steeped in that doing a lot of work creating content for advertisers um both using our ip and our talent and creating content for them and their brand so that's a a large part of all the content creation that we do so you have a custom studio yes is yes. that based in have, new york or? uh yes in new york and uh a woman by the name of vicky neal um from legacy scripts is running now our digital studios so that's so that is both um, digital and social content of our own, and she supports the ad sales endeavors with branded content. So Great. So what should we look out for from Discovery? Over, it's coming up to the holiday periods. You know, what's the what's the big stories for you over the next? Do you still are upfront still a big thing for you? Is they are they are a huge thing. We just kicked off our planning process, if you can believe it. Um, the upfronts are in the spring, and that is our uh, main selling period. And and so we're developing our content and our stories for that. 
for that event. Certainly, um, we have you know all of these great new brands that Legacy Discovery is is enjoying working with now HGTV and food. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the holidays and Food Network. Uh, Halloween has become a big holiday for the Food Network. Thanksgiving is at Super Bowl, and so we're really you know and, and in terms of branded content as well, that's a big play for for our advertising partners. So being able to help craft the story of these brands and and work with them has just been a, has been a real joy and and creating this what we're calling um, the global leader in real life entertainment out of this expanded portfolio yeah. has been tremendous. And finally, the, where you are on the program guides kind of matters, doesn't it? Um, it does. It does. So yeah. how do you navigate that and negotiate that with? Um, with, with the powers that be, you know, to make sure you've got good positions. Well, I leave that to our tremendous uh, distribution teams. But yes, those channel neighborhoods help when for, for folks, you know, maybe like us who are more apt to be scrolling and surfing yeah. on TV, but then also in the way that the, the streaming services are doing things differently, too. It's again, it's, it's a whole new way. But uh, brands matter and great content matters. And so we're, we're feeling really great about our position. Good. Thank you, Catherine. Um, we'll speak to you later on some of the stories. Frank, let's get into those. And the first one is a TV story. It's the Disney-Fox merger. Talk us through that and, and developments this week. That's right. So it looks like it's going to be official at the turn of the year, January 1st, 2019. Um, it's a really interesting uh, smushing together of two uh, big entertainment brands. So the... Merger is going to be complete sometime in the first half of 2019, and the transition period is going to take uh, up to a year from there. Uh, 20th Century Fox president Peter Rice is uh, going to join the new company as well. And the, what's the job Hope Hicks is going to get, the former uh, White House uh, communications director? That's right. So she is moving into the position of EVP and chief communications officer. Uh, for the leftover group of uh, TV stations, the Fox Sports Networks and uh, Fox News Channel. So that group uh, of properties is going to be what she's overseeing communications for. So, Catherine, what do you see when you see a deal like that going on? That's massive, isn't it? It's absolutely enormous. Obviously, you watch it with interest. What's your take on it and what, how do you think it'll shake out? Will it happen, for one thing? Well, so I'm uh, I, I'm not going to predict if it happens or not. It looks like it, but uh, but no. I mean, certainly these are two huge companies. They've done a lot of acquiring and been through this before, so I'm sure they you know they know how to do the process very well. But it's it goes to the point we were talking about earlier. It's the value of IP and content uh, in you know traditional media as we know it, and in these in the world of seven billion devices. Yeah, for sure. Um, and an interesting new job for Hope Hicks, by Absolutely. the way. Yeah, uh, let's talk about this uh, corporate responsibility survey. Frank, that the Reputation Institute came out with. Mm -hmm. What is the Reputation Institute? Well, it's, it's an organization that essentially measures the corporate reputation of uh, major companies. And so this is their 2018 Global CR Rep Track 100 ranking study. And I think there's a, a bit of a surprise at the top and that Google uh, was found to be the company with the top corporate reputation. Um, I found that a bit surprising considering the past couple months. You know, I mean, there was the infamous empty chair at the congressional <laughs> was, hearings. And there was, um, was you know, and there are a lot of concerns. Making that point. Yeah, there are a lot of concerns about uh, data privacy. Um, but when our reporter Sean Zarnicki talked to the, the Reputation Institute, they said that their saving grace in this study was the way that they treat employees. And that overcomes a lot of the rest of it as far as this study is concerned. 
Yeah, and I guess some of these surveys have a lag effect in that they sometimes they take a while to process, don't they? So the period when they're doing the survey yeah. can be a, a little bit before things like that. But certainly those technology companies, Catherine, like Facebook, like um, Google, like Amazon, they've they kind of taken over the world, but they are getting to grips with the regulatory world, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Big time. <laughs> I mean, that's um, you know, in a way that like Microsoft and Apple had to in the in the past, and they were probably slow to get up to speed with it. But now, then they really realised it, and and I think that Facebook and Google always realised it from an earlier stage, but still had a slightly uh, I don't know, not cavalier, but. Um, or adversarial, but but you know the DC world you 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 live there mm -hmm. uh, is very different to Silicon Valley, isn't it? Sure. And Hollywood and the con and the content world. So, what's your take on some of this regulation? You know, um, it's not my area of expertise, but these are newer companies too. You know, Discovery's thirty years old. I mean, we are you know uh, f founded right outside of DC. So, I think you know, focus on these issues is is something they're paying close attention to. Yeah, how was it being a, you know a, a content TV company growing? Going up there rather than in, in Hollywood or in New York, or you know, how did that or Atlanta even? You know, how did that change the character of the company? Well, for for a while, uh, the area was called Docuwood because uh, <laughs> Docu you had you had Discovery there, uh, National Geographic, PBS, and sort of the the nonfiction content. Why were they based there then? You was know, it? it was it was truly our founder John Hendricks um, worked at the University of Maryland and saw all of these documentary films, these beautiful documentary films, sort of sitting on the shelf. This was the early days of cable in the 80s. And you had Ted Turner launching CNN. And, and John Hendricks just said, wow, wouldn't a channel of great documentary films do well? And that was born Discovery did, Channel. And he was he was locally in Maryland. And it, it, it was formed in a very small hmm. office in Landover, Maryland. Moved to Bethesda. And then we launched our global headquarters in, uh, in Silver Spring, Maryland about 15 years ago. But so. did that just create a sort of local market? Yeah, so oh, absolutely. The others came in. Um, absolutely. So, so National Geographic obviously has a has a long, rich history in yeah. DC, um, and so uh, what it did was that we we sort of grew together and created this ecosystem of uh, nonfiction producers. So there's remains uh, a lot of really strong nonfiction production partners in the DC area that we continue to and will continue to work with. So yeah, we sort of grew up together. There's all those sort of service providers and subservice providers right. that. Are the that rely on the ecosystem of, exactly of and our right? and our business is global so you know our content is created and aired globally so our production partners aren't just you know in the u.s it's they're all around the world sure yeah i'm very familiar with eurosport <laughs> spent many hours watching that in when i was living in the uk so and your favorite uh, sport is uh my well my favorite sport is chess We'll look into that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever want to get those rating numbers down, <laughs> you should consider consider um, trying that. Although I would say in Norway, the current world champion is Norwegian, and there is a TV channel there that pretty much follows him around, and chess has become a big deal in Norway. So there you go. So And the world championship match starts next month in London between Magnus Carlsen and an American, Fabiana Caruana from Brooklyn, Frank. Your I'm very excited, he's, as you can tell. Uh, clean shaven. He doesn't uh, sport a beard. Wow. He doesn't actually look like he's capable of sporting a beard. But uh, he's a very clever fellow. Looks a bit like Harry Potter, as you might imagine. But um, yeah, it's a big deal. All we're oh. missing is the tune-in information. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, America just came second in the uh, Olympiad 
in Batumi, Georgia. And they were just pipped at the post by the Chinese on tie breaks. So uh, just keeping you up to date with chess news there, folks. Uh, we've probably lost all our listeners now, but uh, let's go on to the next story. Another senior leaver from Burson Conan Wolfrank. Yes. And, you know, uh, we get a lot of stick from them every time we do this. But, I mean, you know, it is another person from the Burson side. Isn't it is it? another person from the Burson side. And this time it's Tom Esslinger, who has uh, left as global chief creative officer of the combined Burson Conan Wolf. Uh, he was the creative chief at Burson, who came on about a year before the two agencies were merged into one. Uh, he says he has his next gig lined up, but he's not ready to announce it. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's the, the latest lever from the Burson side after, after the two firms were combined. Yeah, I mean, when two companies like that, we've talked about this in detail, we're, we're not going to relitigate this one, but it's inevitable that you are going to mm. have uh, levers and you're going to have a new structure. And the reason you combine companies is to make savings and rationalize and get the best people from the, the two mm-hmm. companies. So that's that process is ongoing. Now, let me be fair here. They also brought on two uh, top executives this week. That's Terry Neal, uh, EVP and MD of Public Affairs in Washington, and James Cook, uh, who's EVP and MD of Tech, and he's based in New York. And were they new hires? They were brought on from Neil Communication Strategies, which was uh, Terry Neal's consultancy that he ran before. Uh, and he's also a veteran of Podesta Group, Fannie Mae, CGI Federal, things like that. And Cook was at Edelman. Okay, interesting stuff. Um, Catherine, what's your sort of use of agencies like? Do you have, um, do you use a lot of agencies? Do you go for the big holding company firms or do you use more nimble, uh, small or medium sized firms? And and how do you, uh, how do you, how do you, how do they help you with your business? Well, you mentioned Edelman, so Edelman New York uh, helped us with the with the acquisition, um, and so they've been, they have tremendous capabilities there. Um, it's sort of project by project. We don't have an agency of record. Uh, certainly, we've had uh, other agencies, large agencies, Ketchum helped us with the with the Olympic Games, our first Olympic Games in Europe, um, and then you know smaller consultancies too on the network side that have expertise certain. Niche. Are there um, firms that specialize in servicing TV or absolutely, content absolutely. Yeah, there are people that have the specific specialties of even you know cable TV, and so yeah. uh, unit publicists and and publicists that that span all the genres. So um, th- there's a great portfolio of support that we have out there when we need it. Yeah, great. And elsewhere in the WPP uh, PR agency world, Hill and Knowlton, uh, this was last Friday actually, they announced that they're going to be separating from their content arm, which is Group SJR, which was run, was sort of uh, co-founded by Alex Jutkovitz, who came on board I'm trying to remember when they bought them. Frank, help me out here. Was it, it was as long ago as 2013, I think. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. And, you know, SJR was the top performer or the, the high-level performer within H&K for the past couple of years and always got um, had gotten a few shout-outs and uh, the quarterly earnings calls from WPP. Um, so, you know, interesting that they're going to be kind of on their own again within WPP. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, Alex Jutkovitz was made the uh, US CEO right. of Hill and Knowlton, so he will be replaced, um, and that search is ongoing. I think this all takes place on the 1st of January 2019. Uh, what it means is SJR stays in WPP, and it just has the ability, ability to work with any WPP company. Although, frankly, I'm, I'm not sure whether they would have not been able to do that had they stayed as part of H&K. They certainly worked with JWT on some joint ventures. Um, Truffle Pig was a JV with 
the Daily Mail and Snap, I believe. And then they had Colloquial. That was the JV with... Uh, I'm looking at you as if you're going to help me, and you're clearly not here, Frank. But, uh, not on Truffle <laughs> Pig. That's a, yeah, that's a um, and Colloquial, which was... Yeah. Um, and both of those are ongoing. Um, it's Their earn-out is up at the end of the year, so I don't know whether that played into it. But certainly, uh, speaking to all parties... Um, SJR, I spoke to Alex Jukovic, he said they'd grown fourfold since they right. joined uh, Burson and when they joined they were roughly $14 million so by that token they must be up to around $50 million. They've got 180 people globally, 130 of those in the New York office so that's going to make a bit of a dent. Um, Jack Martin, the, the global CEO of H&K said that they would likely move out from that office um, so yeah, that's going to make a bit of a dent in the H and K billings um, because fifty million is is a sizable chunk. Um, although uh, Jack Martin did say that this wouldn't be presaging a move such as uh, combining H and K with another WPP agency, he distinctly ruled that out. So that's not part of the strategy. So yeah, they're separating, and and also H and K has developed its own content. Operations since they bought SJR, especially in the UK and Europe, where they've been having a lot of success with their creative output there. And Richard Miller and Lars Eric Grunton will now take on global president roles. Mm -hmm. So they will have global roles. Lars Eric is the uh, European is the Emir, uh, is, is the European CEO, and Richard Miller is the UK CEO. So they'll also have. Uh, some oversight over the US as well and other all other parts of the world. So, yeah, new directions for uh, the H and K folks and for Alex Jackovic at SJR. And then uh, Frank, one other deal. There's loads of agency news, isn't there? And lots of continuing deals, acquisitions. But this is a sort of a, a merging of two companies in two the like same. Two-minded companies. Well, yeah, they're in the same holding company already. Aren't so they? it's really interesting in that this is a bringing together by public uh, by publicists of Kext and CNC into a wait for it. The firm it will be called Kext CNC, <laughs> and we'll have co-CEOs. <laughs> who did they come up with that name? Oh, not, not CNC. I'm I'm kind of happy to see it because, as we know, I have negative creativity, and I'm happy to see a lack of creativity <laughs> sometimes. So uh, it makes me feel better. So uh, they're going to be co-led by. Jerry Jeremy Fielding and Bernard Meesing, who uh, are the CEOs of Kexton CNC right now, respectively, they have more than 600 clients and 250 staffers in 12 offices, including New York, London, Berlin, Tokyo, and they are opening up uh, in Hong Kong very soon. So um, it's interesting in that it is kind of like a scooping out of the corporate and finance specialty group out of MSL uh, and, you know, pushing it together with CNC and making a more robust, bigger specialist firm. I yeah, guess. MSL Group is the PR function of Publicis, right. and it's all been branded MSL except for this part of it, Kext, which uh, and, and I guess CNC will now be part of MSL Group. The combined company stays within MSL, doesn't it? So they're not uh, splitting it away like uh, they have with SJR and H&K. They're, they're all going to be under MSL Group. Correct, yes, but they're going to be operating together. But they very much have kept that brand because it's a very specific market that they play in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any observations on the agency world? I mean, they're all trying to work out how to set themselves up, aren't they? Especially the holding companies. There's so much jostling for position and movement and acquisition and demerging, decoupling. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm amazed at your encyclopedic knowledge or how you keep track. But I mean, the media industry, the agency world, there's just a lot of a lot of change emerging. Yeah, for sure. Interesting times. Yeah, very much so. 
All right. Uh, thank you, Catherine. It's thank great. I haven't seen you for a few gentlemen. years, so yeah. it's great to have you here. Great to we'll see more of you in New York from next year. So that's good. And uh, good luck with. Uh, hopefully, I'll still be here unless uh, I become a case study for in investigation <laughs> channel. Um, yeah, but we'll see about that. We'll, um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, enough said about that. I'll get told off when I get home as well. Um, right, just a couple of customer service announcements. The final, final deadline for the PR Week Awards entries is tomorrow, isn't it, Frank? It is. It's Friday morning. Yes, final. Fi well, I think they have till midnight, don't they? Well, they should get them in early. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, 12th of October. So please do get uh, your last uh, entries in. Um, it's, as we know, the Oscars of the PR industry, so do, do get your best work in. The conference, it's in Chicago next Thursday on the 18th. Um, really looking forward to that, actually. It's got a great lineup of speakers, loads of people coming, lots of delegates. There's still a few tickets left if you want to get a last um, space. We've got um, Josh Ernest, who's the new CCO at uh, United Airlines, and Robert Gibbs at McDonald's on a panel to kick off the whole event, which I'm really looking forward to. From the White House to the boardroom, that is the theme. They've both trod there or done... What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Practice their profession in both places. So it'll be fascinating to hear what they've got to say. And then we've got a bunch of CCOs, CMOs, CCOs, some agency folk. Richard Edelman will be speaking. Joe Locker, another former White House guy, is on the list. Jacqueline Parks from MTV, actually CMO over there. Um, and lots of other fantastic speakers. You can go to prweekconference.com to check that out and get your ticket. The Global Awards, they're open for entries, prweekglobalawards.com, so have a look at that. We're launching our brand film festival, the fourth version of this, next week. So uh, have a look out for that. Um, launching on Tuesday, I think, brandfilmfestival.com. We've got our 40 Under 40 dinner on the 23rd of October. And we have a 40 Under 40 reunion session on the 1st of November. And that's to celebrate our 20th anniversary here at PR Week US. But that's all we've got time for. We will see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.